0: Hey, I'm Linnea Dominic, Curious City intern. As I mentioned last week, the Curious City team will be spending the next few months thinking of new formats for answering your questions. You'll hear some of them from time to time when we land on one we really like. But don't worry, we've got plenty for you to listen to in the meantime. Lately, there's been a lot of debate in the news about representation. And it might make you wonder, what was left out of the history you learned in school? So we're curating episodes that add a little context city style. Last week, we ran a story about taking monuments down and putting them up. This week, Jesse Dukes has a story of another kind of monument.
1: I recently learned Wisconsin has thousands of ancient earthworks built by Native Americans. They're called effigy mounds, and they're made from soil sculpted into three to six foot high shapes. They're shaped like eagles, bears, and things that look like turtles or lizards.
0: Uh, They can be a hundred to a couple hundred feet long. Wow, Uh, Effigies are monuments, and they're they're monumental constructions.
1: This is Amy Rosebro, an archaeologist who specializes in effigy mounds. She says the shapes in the landscape sometimes appear to tell a story.
0: They use the terrain in order to appear as if they're moving or if, if they're alive. There's a great amount of artistic skill that goes into the final shaping of an effigy mound.
1: Artistic skill. Here's what she means. Native Americans made the mounds a thousand years ago and the shapes were consistent across hundreds of miles. They built them without surveying tools, GPS computers, or the bulldozers we would use today. And the builders could not see the shapes they were building. You need a bird's eye view for that. Anyway, for a Chicagoan, the effigy mounds are something you'd associate with a place you'd visit, more a Wisconsin or Iowa thing, but not a Chicago thing. Or are they? Curious City fan Judy Pollock got me wondering, She noticed an odd detail on a map of Chicago from before it was a city.
2: It's a map of um, Indian settlements, and it had Indian trails, it had little Indian villages, lookouts, you know, so a variety of different features related to uh, the Native Americans here.
1: The map was made in 1901 by a man named Albert Scharf but it was based on records and recollections of Chicago's earliest white settlers.
2: And then there was this one word kind of over towards the lake that was lizard.
1: The map actually has a little lizard sketch and a label, Lizard Effigy Mound. You see where I'm going with this? It's not clear exactly where since today's streets aren't included in the map, but the map suggests there is or was an effigy mound in Lakeview, a little north of downtown. So, Judy wants to know if Chicago had its own effigy mound, and if so, is anything left of it? Now, Chicago was farther southeast than any known effigy mounds, so finding one here would be a big deal. It would suggest Chicago had some connection to a mound-building culture previously thought to have lived hundreds of miles away. For an answer to Judy's question, I reached out to local historians and archeologists all of whom said the only real evidence about the mound was the map Judy saw with the lizard label. It's really just a clue. And I learned that if there had been an effigy mound in Chicago, its chances of surviving the early days of white settlement was not great.
0: During that period, uh, the mounds did not fare well.
1: That's archaeologist Amy Roseborough again.
0: We're estimating losses of 80% or more. Wow. It was just a matter of indifference for the most part. Mm. Uh, This is a period when Native American groups are being removed from the area, and there was this concept that the land is now in our hands, and we are going to either not bother with these remnants of the past or purposefully erase them.
1: Well, that doesn't sound promising. But I did learn that Albert Scharf, the man who made the map, probably got the location of the lizard mound from his friend Carl Dilg. Dilg was an amateur archaeologist active around Chicago in the late 1800s. His papers are at the Chicago History Museum. Folder. This one says mounds. That's me at the History Museum, whispering because it's a quiet reading room. I'm looking for a description or a location Judy and I can check out to see if there's any trace of it. In looking at Dilg's papers from the 1880s and 90s, Get this, he writes about the lizard effigy in the present tense, like it's a local landmark. It's two blocks north of Wolfram. I find a sketch dog made of the profile of the lizard effigy mound, sketches of artifacts found near the mound, and finally, a more detailed map of Lakeview, showing the, quote, lizard effigy's exact location. Oh my goodness, I found it. North
2: of Oakdale.
1: Oh, wow. Dilg's Lakeview map includes a sketch of a lizard on a specific block, north of Oakdale, east of Sheffield. But then I find papers from another archaeologist, a respected professional archaeologist from Wisconsin, Charles Brown. He visited Chicago in 1910, and he writes, quote, a lizard mound was located on Oakdale Avenue and Wellington Street under the present elevated station. Note the past tense. Was located. So... One archaeologist describes the mound in the present tense in the 1890s, another in the past tense in 1910. They both place it in the exact same spot in Lakeview. And here's another piece of the puzzle. In 1896, an elevated train line, now the Brown Line, was built right through the spot both archaeologists say there was a mound. So to me, these data points suggest A, there was some kind of mound in Lakeview shaped something like a lizard, and B, in the 1890s, the construction of the L train destroyed it. I met Judy, our question asker in Lakeview, to show her Dilg's map with the mound location.
0: Oh, look! There it is, a map!
1: You can walk right under the L tracks where the map suggests the lizard would have been. Don't see any elevation, do you? No. It's a parking lot now, and there's no sign of any mound.
2: It's sad. Uh, yeah, it's really sad. Uh, it makes me go back to think about who was it that did this, and, you know, what were they thinking at the time, and is there any record of it, or is it just gone without a trace?
1: Now, I should say, I never found rock-solid evidence that the mound Dilg talks about in Lakeview was really an ancient effigy mound. It could have been a trash pile or a sandbar. But there's good circumstantial evidence it was an effigy. Enough that it's worth discussing Judy's follow-up question. If there were an effigy mound in Chicago, who built it in the first place? One thing to check is whether the mound as described is related to the other effigy mounds in Wisconsin. So I described the sketch to archaeologist Amy Rosebro. Does that shape that I'm describing as drawn on the map sound familiar to you?
0: Yes. Uh, there's similar mounds of throughout a good portion of southeastern Wisconsin. Hmm. And they are associated with uh, being uh, called the underwater panther or water spirit, uh, known from oh, a good number of tribes living in the area. The Ho-Chunk and Pottawatomie both have stories about water spirits.
1: So Roseboro thinks it's possible that the mound in Lakeview was the same kind found in Wisconsin. And the fact that it's hundreds of miles from the Wisconsin mounds might actually reveal something about the builders.
0: For the longest time, people thought of the effigy builders as this single unified culture, that you've got one group of people who are all doing the same thing at the same time.
1: Mm.
0: And what we're finding and what these isolated or kind of far-flung effigies are telling us is that it was more of a ceremony, it was an idea, and that you could adopt it wholeheartedly, as many people in Wisconsin seem to, or you could build one effigy mound in your community's lifetime.
1: Roseboro believes the mounds were constructed cooperatively over weeks as part of burial ceremonies for important people.
0: And the mound building is only going to be one part of what's going on. There would have been a ceremony occurring, a funeral ritual, feasting, speeches, dancing.
1: As far as the question of who built the mounds in Wisconsin or Chicago... Well, that's been a contentious subject for at least 200 years. And the different ways in which people have answered that question often says more about them than the actual answer to the question. You see, in the late 1800s, when Native Americans were no longer seen as a threat to westward expansion, white Americans got interested in the mounds. Although when you consider that many were burial sites, that interest was not always respectful.
0: There was a tradition called going mounding. Hmm. So if you could take a family out on a picnic, you'd hand a shovel to a couple of kids, and then they would dig into a mound to see what was there.
1: Like human remains. Early archaeologists referred to the, quote, mound builders with a capital M and B, as if they were a separate race. Many people were convinced groups like the Ho-Chunk, Potawatomi, or Ojibwe who lived in the areas with effigy mounds were not sophisticated
2: enough to build them. People used to say that... Uh... The Phoenicians must have built them or, or, you know, people from Mars must have come down and built them.
1: This is John Lau, a Pottawatomie Indian and professor of American Indian Studies at Ohio State. He thinks American settlers might have even ignored Indians who did have something to say about the mounds because...
2: Gosh, that sounds like the natives have more of a claim and it sounds more icky to walk them out to Kansas and Oklahoma then.
1: In the 20th century, archaeologists finally started asking regional tribes about the mounds. It turns out the Ho-Chunk in Wisconsin claimed descent from the mound builders. From those conversations and more archaeological evidence, it's now widely accepted that ancestors of the Ho-Chunk, Iowa, and other regional tribes built the mounds. I reached out to the Ho-Chunk Nation, but they didn't call or write back. Over the years, they've described mounds as sacred places and expressed they prefer not to explain much more than that. Now, Chicago's Evigy Mound would have been in the territory of the Potawatomi in the 1700s and 1800s, so what about them? John Lau says, as a Potawatomi, he didn't learn much about the mounds growing up.
2: There is uh, an angst, I think, certainly within me as a Native person, there's an angst that I don't know more about the mounds.
1: The Potawatomi probably came to the region a couple hundred years after the mounds were built and therefore weren't closely related to the mound-building people. But that doesn't mean the Potawatomi in Chicago wouldn't have respected an effigy mound there.
2: I think they would have considered them as uh, uh, caretakers and custodians. You know, I think these effigy mounds were sacred sites that always would have been seen as uh, special places of reverence.
1: But he says even today, in a supposedly more sensitive age, not everybody has that same respect for the mounds. He remembers a former student who grew up on a farm.
2: Came up to me early in a semester and said, you know, some of his greatest memories growing up is him and his brothers and his dad out in the back forty digging up Indian Mound, and oh, the stuff they found. (laughs) And it was like, I didn't know how to respond, except that, uh, you know, we call that grave robbing. You know, other than that, it's nice that you had good times with your dad and your brothers.
1: (laughs) John Lyle says as a Native American, he thinks if Chicago had a mound, it's really too bad it's not here anymore. And it's too bad that hundreds or more were destroyed by white settlers in our region. And that shouldn't just be a Native American
2: view. I think we should all feel sad about when they're lost. Just like if, you know, the Acropolis was lost, right? You know, or the pyramids were lost, or Stonehenge was lost. These two are part of the human record of achievement and aspiration. Um, You know, it's just, uh, what a shame.
1: Reporting came from me, Jesse Dukes. Research help from Katherine Nagasawa, Bashira Mack, and Robert Lorzell. Support comes from the Conant Family Foundation.
0: Before we start the
2: show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including
0: contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program
2: at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.